Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jenikin. And Desi's going to kick off the show by thanking all the wonderful people who subscribe to our Patreon this week. That's right. If you would like to join these lovely people, you can subscribe to Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene, where you can get tons of bonus content only available to our patrons, as well as ad-free episodes, access to our Discord, and whatever else we throw up there. This week, we had Sherilyn, Kendall, Kimberly, Sandy, Amanda, Leslie, Gina Marie, Mitch, Mount McDaniel, Emma, Stephanie, Jade, Heather, another Heather, Jennifer, Kimberly, Ruth, and Max, Johnny, Maria, Paula, Ethan, Brandy, Pearl, Kaylee, and another Jade. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Well, Desi, Mm. listeners, I was mistaken last week when I said that this would be the final chapter because these boys in the Old West were just messy bitches who love drama. Love it. So this is going to be a four-parter. Happens. It happens. (laughs) It's happened to me a few times. Yeah. So let's just give a little refresh of where we left off last week with Tombstone. Things are heating up between the cowboy rancher faction and the Earps and the other law and order types in town. Mm -hmm. And specifically with Frank McLaurie, one of the ranchers who was irritated with Virgil because this they he was afraid this Tombstone Rangers was forming, which was like the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. If you know, I'm not going to go into like their whole deal, but he's like, what the fuck? And basically Virgil had told Frank that, look, we don't want to kill any, kill any of you cowboys and ranchers. But Frank and his buddies were like, we don't believe you. We think you want us dead, not just arrested, but dead. So like, that's the vibe right now in Tombstone. My main source for this episode, once again, is the book, The Last Gunfight, the real story of the shootout at the OK Corral and how it changed the American West by Jeff Gwynn. And as promised, we will get to the gunfight at the El LK Corral. <laughs> the El Camino. <laughs> the El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. So we will get to that today, okay. but that is not the last shootout oh. and fight yeah. in this story about Tombstone. If you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it does go down differently in the movie. Anyway, let's get started. We have a lot to get into. On September 9th, 1881, the cowboy Johnny Ringo rolled into Tombstone to warn fellow cowboy Sherman McMasters that he was about to be arrested by Virgil Earp for the stagecoach robbery that he had committed in February with his buddy Pony Deal. Ringo himself was on the lam, wanted for stealing poker money. Ringo and McMasters were able to escape on stolen horses before Virgil had a chance to make an arrest. Meanwhile, Wyatt and Morgan Earp were in pursuit of some other stagecoach robbers. Because the stagecoach robberies, they kept happening. I mean, it seems pretty easy (laughs) if you want to do it. (laughs) They were pretty common for the day. The robbers of this stagecoach robbery were determined to be Pete Spencer and Frank Stilwell. Stilwell happened to be the former deputy of Johnny Behan, So his arrest was not good for the reputation of Behan because he's like associated with him. But this was definitely good for Wyatt. But to Wyatt's disappointment, the charges against both suspected robbers were dropped a week later. 
Virgil was determined to get these guys. And so as Deputy U.S. Marshal, he arrested them for federal mail robbery. The cowboy community saw this action as further evidence that the Earps were out to get them. According to Wyatt, rancher Frank McLaurie and a group of his cowboys threatened him and his brother Morgan following the arrests. Behan's deputy, Billy Breckenridge, thought that the Earps were being paranoid. According to him, he spoke to Frank McLaurie's brother, Tom, who said that the arrest of these stagecoach robbers had nothing to do with them. No one was threatening the Earps. Mm. That October, Virgil Earp and Johnny Behan traveled together to Tucson for the preliminary hearing of the federal mail robbery against Frank Stilwell and Pete Spencer. Wyatt and Morgan Earp were left in charge of Tombstone until they got back. On October 24th, the day before Virgil and Behan arrived back in town, three men escaped from the jail. (sighs) The hunt for the fugitives was unsuccessful, and Virgil was irritated. Mm. So I don't know if you remember, I think it was last week, maybe the first week, where Johnny Behan had left town and left someone in charge of the jail. And they got it. They escaped. They escaped. Well, now it happened to Wyatt and Morgan when they were left in charge. So he's like, see, this jail is highly escapable. (laughs) It's it's actually not hard for someone to escape. I mean, whenever you see those old West movies, it's literally like a little wood shack. Yeah. And the it's like it seems pretty easy to just climb out the window. It seems like those rusty bars you could just sort of like kick them open real easy. And the person watching them is always like passed out. Passed drunk. out with moonshine and yeah. like the little X's on their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> They're like snoring. Always Hong Kong shoe shoeing. Yeah. Yeah, always. Meanwhile, Ike Clanton was still furious at Wyatt for letting other people know that he was involved with trying to lure the stagecoach shooters back to his ranch for capture. Remember, he didn't want people to know that he had made this deal with a cop. Right. He was scared of his cowboy friends finding out and killing him. Though Wyatt had told Marshall Williams of the plot, he actually wanted the deal between him and Ike Clanton to remain a secret secret as well. It wouldn't have been good for his law and order image if people found out that he was making shady deals with these ranchers. Yeah, their love had to be secret. It It was a secret affair. Clanton was really getting on Wyatt's nerves at this point with his continued whining that how, about how he was so afraid of getting in trouble with his cowboy friends. Mm. He would like follow Wyatt all over town and be like, you swear you didn't tell anyone else? I mean, that seems pretty suspicious too. <laughs> his, like everyone's seeing him with Wyatt all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, why, yeah what is, what's that about? Yeah, I would be like, you're your own worst enemy here. Stay away from Wyatt. Just be cool. Be cool, Clanton. He couldn't do it. And he was really irritating Wyatt. Like, it, it had gotten to a point where he was, like, about to punch him in the face. That's how you get shot in the Old West, just being annoying. And you could, <laughs> and you could claim self-defense on that, too. Yeah, those words. And they'd believe you. He had even accused Wyatt of telling Doc Holliday about the plot. He's like, I bet you told, bet you told Doc Holliday. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> <laughs> Clanton demanded to speak with Holliday to ask if this was true, which... This is crazy to me. Once again. This is crazy to me because he was so convinced that Doc Holliday knew about this plot they had come up with together that ended up being botched anyway, that he was like, well, just to make sure you didn't tell Doc Holliday, I need you to ask Doc Holliday if he knows, or I need to confront him and ask him if he knows. So it's like he would find out anyway. Yeah. This guy's not too bright. No. So Clanton demanded to speak with Holliday. Holiday was off gambling in Tucson, and so Wyatt sent Morgan Earp for him to get Doc to come back to Tombstone. He was like, fine, I'll get Doc. Morgan, go get him. He returned on October 22nd with his on-again girlfriend, Kate. Mm. On the night of October 25th, Wyatt and Morgan Earp were having a meal at the Alhambra when Ike Clanton showed up. Clanton had been drinking all day with Tom McClory. And now, at around midnight, he was good and drunk when he waltzed in the saloon for a bite to eat. You know about my secret deal? (laughs) (laughs) He... (laughs) Everything was chill until Doc Holliday also showed up at the same time. 
Like Ike Clanton, Holiday had also been drinking all day mm. and was hankering for a drunken late-night meal. While there are different versions of who started it, when Holiday and Clanton came into contact with each other, a fight broke out. At one point, Holiday apparently called Ike a son of a bitch cowboy <gasps> and told him to go get his gun. And Ike replied, I checked my gun at the hotel. Yeah. And Doc Holliday had a permit to carry a gun in Tombstone. So when he touched his chest, Ike believed that he was reaching for his gun. Now, by this time, Morgan Earp was standing by, antagonizing Ike alongside Doc Holliday. So M- Morgan Earp had seen this little, like, bitch fest happening. Yeah. So he runs over. He's like, yeah, fuck you, Ike. Hey, what did you get your gun? Now you checked it, dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Then Virgil came on down, and he's like, fellas. He came on down and told Holiday and Ike to settle down or they'd be arrested. Remember, Virgil's the Sam Elliott character. right? Ike Clanton left the dining room and said, you better not shoot me in the back while I walk out this door. And then Doc Holiday was like, hey, that's not a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) According to Wyatt... He broke up the fight by grabbing Doc Holliday and taking him outside. Mm. He said that Ike followed them outside and continued yelling at Doc. The two men continued arguing out on the street, and that's when Virgil came to break up the fight, saying that they'd be arrested if they didn't settle down. So Wyatt likes to insert himself like, well, you know, I had a part in defusing the situation. I mean, the, the funny thing is... He's fighting with Doc Holliday for no reason. No, no reason. <laughs> they're just both drunk. Yeah. And it's escalated. Yes. We don't even know that Doc knows anything. And even if he does, why would you antagonize that person? It's crazy. Yeah. Wyatt said that Ike Clanton followed him to the Oriental Saloon and continued badgering him. Because mm. after they left this one saloon, then he's like, I'm going to the Oriental Right down the street. Right down the street. <laughs> and Ike just followed him there, talking about how he was going to get him the following morning. <gasps> Regardless of the details, everyone agreed that a drunken altercation between Doc Holliday and Ike Clanton had occurred on this night. They're like, well, we know one thing. They were drunk. They were both very <laughs> drunk. The reality is that Morgan Earp, Doc Holliday, and Ike Clanton all had short tempers, so it wouldn't be unusual for any of them to pop off while drunk. Yeah. Later that same night, Ike wandered into the Occidental Saloon where he played poker with Virgil Earp, Johnny Behan, and Tom McClory. The guys played until 6 a.m. Damn. When Virgil got up to leave, he said that Ike followed him outside and accused him of standing by as his boys threatened to kill him at the Alhambra Saloon earlier that night. I mean, I guess it was the night before. Right. Because it's six now. Virgil was like, Ike, it's six in the morning. Go to fucking bed. I (laughs) I can't do this right now. But Ike kept popping off and told Virgil to let Doc Holliday know he was going to fight him. Virgil was like, no, I'm going to bed. I'm not going to find Doc Holliday right now. According to Virgil, Ike then said, quote, you may have to fight before you know it. This guy's so irritating. Yeah, he's the worst. (laughs) Virgil was too tired to arrest Ike for threatening an officer. He was like, I don't want to fill out paperwork right now. It's 6 a.m. I'm going to be so fucking hungover tomorrow. Today. <laughs> or today, later today when I wake up. Yeah. No. I just want to, like, I'm just going to let this slide. Relatable. Yeah. This guy's been drinking for 20 hours. He's out of his mind. Mm. I'm going to bed. At 8 a.m., Ike Clanton was still awake. And now he was <laughs> hanging out at the Tombstone Telegraph office near the hotel that he was staying at. Ned Boyle, a bartender from the Oriental Saloon, saw drunken Ike loitering with a pistol in his waistband and was like, dude, go to bed. I mean, he should have been stopped being served a long time ago. (laughs) No, he's still going. He's still going. And honestly, this is relatable to me. Yeah. Like, this is how I behaved when I used to drink. The worst feeling is when 
you've been drinking and it's like morning and you're like, shit, I'm still out. It's like, it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I did that every time. (laughs) That's why I don't drink anymore. According to Ed, to Ned, Ike was like, no, I'm waiting for the Earps and Doc Holiday to roll by because I'm going to fight them. So Ned ran over to Wyatt's house and told him what was going on. He's like, Ike is standing by the telegraph office. He's really drunk, but he's trying to fight you and Doc Holiday, And he's waiting for you guys to come out. I mean, it's incredible he's not passing out it's at this point. It's really incredible. Yeah. And Wyatt was like, dude, I'm drunk and I'm going back to bed. Like, he woke up Wyatt. That's annoying. Yeah. Ike didn't stay put for long. He moseyed over to Kelly's wine house. <laughs> too many <laughs> bars on this street. There's so many saloons in Tombstone. It's like all bars. It's, it's like Vegas. Ike sat down at the bar with his friend, Joe Stump, mm-hmm. and began bitching about the Earps and Doc Holiday. The wine bar owner, Julius Kelly, was like, look, Ike, you need to calm down. If you fight the Earps, it's going to end in disaster. Like, you don't want this mess. By the time most of Tombstone was awake, the residents had heard the tea that a drunken Ike Clanton wanted to fight the Earps. Like, everyone in town had sort of, like, knew this by now. They started, like, boarding up their windows, Mm. preparing for the gun battle. At 10 a.m., one of Virgil's deputies went to his house to warn him about the threats. But Virgil was tired and was like, dude, I'm trying to sleep. I've only slept for like four hours. The only person not sleeping at this point is Clanton. Yeah. (laughs) He's the only one for some reason. He's still awake. Meanwhile, Ike Clanton dipped into another saloon. It was around noon when he told the bartender about the beef with the Earps and Doc Holliday and that he was looking for a fight, <laughs> but, they were, but th- that they were too scared to fight him. They're Imagine like, you're trying to fight and they're all sleeping. It's like such a one-sided uh, <laughs> fight. They, they don't even want to fight. <laughs> they just want to sleep. They just want to sleep. It's not that they're scared. They're fucking tired. Yeah. And this guy's just like, I want to fight. <laughs> And everyone's like, shut up. Go. You know this guy. Oh, I know this it's guy. It's so irritating. <laughs> Just like fucking pass out already. Um, then he wandered over to the boarding house that Doc Holiday stayed at, but Doc was still passed out from the night before. So Ike kept moving. Kate then woke up Doc to tell him that Ike stopped by. He's like, dude, that guy was here. What is he on? <laughs> It's like he's only fueled by rage. <laughs> I think so. This, he's going on like over 24 hours. This is crazy. This guy must look a mess too, right? Like In his like official portrait on Wikipedia, he's like leaning over on something and he looks drunk in the picture. No, his eyes are probably always bloodshot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he basically, Doc, after Kate woke him up to be like, this guy Ike Clanton stopped by looking for you. Doc just laughed and he was like, that fucking guy. Yeah. He's like, well, I'll fight him. I'll fight him if he wants to fight him, but he's a fucking loser. Yeah. Don't tell him that to his face. But I'll fight work him. him up. Yeah. <laughs> when Virgil got up and left his house around this time, he was warned by someone that Ike was looking for him so that he could fight him. <laughs> Like multiple people throughout the town, like townspeople are coming up to the Earps and Doc Holiday, and they're like, this guy wants to fight you. This is just sad. It's so embarrassing. (laughs) It's very like at 3 p.m. after school. I'm going to fight you. (laughs) Fucking kick your ass. (laughs) (laughs) And we watch the clock. It's the whole school knows. Yeah. And the school is tombstone. Yes. (laughs) By this time, word of Ike's drunken ramblings made their way to Morgan and James Earp. So Virgil met up with his brothers to confer with them. He's like, what are we going to do about this? Everyone's everyone's like, wants to know what we're going to do. I feel like their plan of just like hoping he passes out is not working, right? (laughs) Like he's going to pass out, wake up and forget anything happened. No, he's not not, going to bed. He will never go to sleep till he fights the Earps. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... It's like when someone needs to come and like they have to jack off to get it out of their system. But they're in public, so they can't do it yet. Yeah. And they're just like sweating bullets. It's like Ike needs to fight and 
only after he fights, he can go to sleep. Only then can he rest. Yes. Virgil, so Virgil met up with Morgan and James Earp to confer with them. And then Virgil and Morgan went looking for Ike. They're like, let's just go confront him. Just get it over with. Yeah. Soon after, Wyatt arrived at the Oriental Saloon, where he was alerted to the situation by a guy named Henry Jones. Jones seemed really panicked about this, and he was like, Ike's going around town carrying guns, saying he's going to kill you and your brothers. And Wyatt was like, all right, I'll go check this out. Yeah. Wyatt met up with Morgan and Virgil to figure out how they were going to handle this. I like how they're having all these meetings and Ike can't even find them, even though they're walking all over town. Like, like how big is this town? He's always like in the wrong corner. And they're like, it's like when you're trying to find someone in the grocery store and you walk past the aisles at different yeah. times or something. I mean, the events of Tombstone really is a screwball comedy. Absolutely. This is so absurd. Very these absurd. These people are unserious people. Yeah. So the three Earp brothers were armed as they set out looking for Ike. They found him on Fremont Street, but before they were able to confront him, Ike crossed paths with Mayor John Clum. Ike was standing in the street holding his rifle. Now, you're not allowed to be carrying in Tombstone anymore without a permit. And Ike certainly does not have a permit to carry in Tombstone. Virgil rushed over with his gun drawn. He didn't plan to shoot Ike just to disarm him, and so he grabbed the rifle in Ike's hands. Then, as Ike reached for the six-shooter that was hiding in his coat pocket, Virgil pistol-whipped Ike. (gasps) Ike collapsed in the street. Virgil stood over him and asked Ike if he had been looking for him. He's like, you been looking for me? Damn. And Ike was like, yes. Ike Clanton was arrested and taken down to the courthouse for a judge to quickly decide on the matter. But unfortunately, the judge was out of town that day. He was officiating a wedding. (gasps) So Virgil left Wyatt and Morgan to watch after Ike. Again, again, this guy leaves. (laughs) I'm already, I'm like, no, this doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) He went, he like, Virgil went to the wedding and he's like, you need to come back to Tombstone. That, but the town must have cheered when he got pistol whipped. <laughs> so I was like, finally shut him up. <laughs> um, so, so Virgil left to go find the judge. And immediately after Virgil left, Morgan and Ike started yelling at each other. Ugh. Like they can't even stop for a second. Yeah. Then Wyatt got involved, telling him, quote, you damn dirty cow thief. You have been threatening our lives and I know it. I think I would be justified in shooting you any place I would meet you. But if you are anxious to to make a fight, I will go anywhere on earth to make a fight with you, even over to Sam Simon along with your own crowd. Did you call me a cow thief? (laughs) (laughs) Wyatt didn't scare Ike, and he was like, bring it on. Yeah. I've been wanting to fight. See, I've been wanting to fight. What I tell you. He wants this. Yeah. He's been waiting 24 hours for this moment. (laughs) Before an all-out brawl in the courtroom could break out, Virgil came back with the judge. I feel bad for this judge. He was at a wedding. He probably didn't even get to the buffet. The highs and lows of being a judge, Mm. right? (laughs) (laughs) After paying a fine of $25, Ike was released. How did he get money? (laughs) they, They had a pretty good ranch business. So he was just able to get $25? I just feel like this guy should not be released on bail. Well, he, they released him, and but they also took his guns away. They made him check them at the Grand Hotel. The ones he had on him. The ones he had on him. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you need, we're going to take... Virgil took the guns down to the hotel where he stayed, and he's like, we'll check these in. Yeah. You'll get them. You'll get your guns back when you leave Tombstone. So he's probably sobered up a bit at this point. No. No. <laughs> Um, Wyatt was pissed because he wanted a bigger punishment for Ike and he still felt that him and his brother's lives were at stake and Ike was just going to be able to go running around town going back to more saloons. Of course. He's like, I don't want this. Virgil. He's not going home to the ranch. He's going back to the Oriental (laughs) getting more whiskey. (laughs) 
So after leaving the courthouse, Ike went to the doctor's office. He stopped by the doctor's office to get patched up because he's got a head wound. That's right. He got pistol whipped. They didn't even take him there before they took They made him go to the courthouse first. Uh, His friend, Billy Claiborne, came with him to the doctor's office. I guess they ran into each other on the way there. Of course. This guy, Billy Claiborne, by the way, he named himself Billy the Kid of Arizona. Billy the Kid? Oh, Billy the Kid of Arizona. (laughs) In parentheses. Oh, that's Billy the Kid. Billy the Kid of Arizona. That's so bad. That's so bad. Yeah, I'm going to Paris, Texas. (laughs) That's so embarrassing. Yeah, you don't do that. Also that he named himself that and he tried to make that happen. Like, I'm just as good as (laughs) of Arizona. (laughs) So after after the doctor put a bandage on Ike's head, Ike walked into a gun store (laughs) (laughs) and asked to buy a gun. Now, the gun shop owner looked up at Ike and saw his bloody bandage (laughs) on his face. And it was like bleeding through the bandage. And he's like, I don't know, buddy. What do you plan on doing with that gun? (laughs) Taking some revenge on the guy who pistol whipped you, maybe? Yeah. And this gun shop owner knew about what had transpired over the past 24 hours. I mean, it seems like the whole town knew, right? The whole town. He's like, dude, you've been drinking for 24 hours straight. I'm not selling you a gun. Yeah. God bless him for trying. He tried. He (laughs) He really tried it. That afternoon, Tom McClory was getting ready to do errands out of town. So he checked out his gun at the Grand Hotel where he had also been staying. But before he left, he needed to find his buddy, Ike Clanton, and find out what the fuck happened during his drunken adventure. Because he had heard about it. I mean, I would not be going to another town to run errands. During all this, I'd be like, I got to stay and see what's going on. (laughs) He went down to the courthouse where he ran into Wyatt, and Wyatt was not happy to see the younger McClory brother show up. Whatever Tom said to Wyatt sent Wyatt into a rage, because the last person he wanted to see was one of Ike's friends. Yeah. So, to be honest, Tom might have said something it probably did say something totally innocuous to Wyatt, like, hey, have you seen Ike? And he lost it. He fucking lost it. Wyatt's hostility caused Tom to say, look, dude, if you want to fight, I will fight you. I just came here looking for Ike. So then Wyatt proceeded to slap Tom across the face. Whoa. And then he clocked him with his gun on his head, sending Tom McLaurie onto his ass. (sighs) Wyatt continued wailing on Tom. Oh, my God. This is police brutality. Yeah. After he was done and began walking away, witnesses said that they heard Wyatt mutter, I could kill the son of a bitch. Mm. Wyatt, of course, would later tell a different version of events, claiming that Tom had started it, that he had revealed his pistol to him and was looking for a fight. It seems more likely that it was Wyatt's rage that started the fight, given that Tom McClory was not known as somebody who went looking to start shit. That wasn't his personality. Right. I think Wyatt started it. Yes. Unlike his friend Ike Clanton, Tom McClory did not continue antagonizing Wyatt after he'd been like knocked on his ass. Right. Because if that was Ike, he'd be like, oh, yeah? No, Ike's like the fucking tombstone Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> He just keeps coming back and back. (laughs) So he got up and went about his errands for the day. Since he had errands to run in Tombstone, he decided to check his gun at a saloon just to be safe. He didn't want any more trouble. Yeah. Let's take a break here. We have a lot more to get to. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money, and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings with big cash back at hundreds of stores. Don't miss headliners like Canon, Fenty Beauty, and Dyson. I can't wait to shop for all of my summer fashion and beauty needs, and we'll definitely be checking out Ulta and Adidas. Rakuten really is the best way to shop. You can really save by stacking cash back on top of other deals. And during Big Give Week, the cash back is bigger than ever. It's the time to shop for everything you need for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Membership is free, and it's all happening May 6th to May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost on top of Big Give Week cashback rates, go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Rakuten is the shopping platform to save while shopping. Frank McLaurie and Billy Clanton found Ike at the gun shop and were like, okay, pal, we're going home. Yeah. We got you. But not before Frank and Billy purchased some ammo. What they didn't know was that Wyatt Earp was across the street staring at the men through the gun shop window. <laughs> he saw he's a, he's a crap. <laughs> and he was rooting tootin' mad. He was like Yosemite Sam. Yeah. He sees these guys <laughs> going to the gun shop and he's just standing across the street watching them. Yeah. <laughs> the gun shop. <laughs> uh, like his fucking- Do you believe what these fuckers are doing? <laughs> He's psychotic. <laughs> he was just itching for a reason to bust these guys. Yeah. He wanted any fucking reason to go into this gun shop, and he found one. Uh-oh. Frank McLaurie's horse was parked right <laughs> out. <laughs> Blame the horse. It's like the traffic violation pullover <laughs> or something. It literally is what it was. <laughs> no, it's your horse's taillight's broken. <laughs> Frank McLaurie's horse was parked right out front, like on the sidewalk, instead yeah. of in the, the designated horse zone on the street. And Frank's horse horse's head was was poking through the door of the gun shop. Like so half of it was in the gun shop and half of it was outside. That's not like normal. <laughs> Just figured horses were everywhere. Yeah. So Fra- so Wyatt was like, all right. I'm going over there. And he's like, you can't have a horse here. And Frank was like, okay. And then he moved his horse away and was like, yeah, okay, chill. But yeah. Wyatt was mad. Because yeah. he wanted them to like pop off at him. Yes. It's like when a cop like confronts you about something and they don't have anything on you and you see how mad they get. Oh, totally. This is that energy. Extremely. So Wyatt was pissed off. And that was like the entirety of their interaction. But secretly, Frank was annoyed at Wyatt for being so petty. He just didn't act on it. Yeah. Virgil was concerned about the growing likelihood of a fight. And so he borrowed a shotgun from Wells Fargo. A concerned town person told Virgil that the McClory's and the Clantons were buying ammo down the street and that Wyatt was over there. It sounded a lot worse than it actually was. 
So Virgil met up with Wyatt and the ranchers along with Billy. Oh, Virgil met up with Wyatt and the ranchers along with Billy Claiborne headed down to the livery and stable to pick up a horse for Billy Clanton. Johnny Behan had just woken up not too long ago. Everyone was out drinking (laughs) the night before. Everyone's rolling out of bed. By the way, this is like a Wednesday. (laughs) And... Johnny Behan, after he like came to, he stumbled over to the barber shop, and that's where he was when he heard the news that a fight was brewing. He found Virgil, who was hanging out with Doc Holliday outside of Hafford's saloon. They went in for a drink to discuss their next moves. Virgil wanted action to be taken, but Behan was worried that if they tried anything, it would only make the Clantons and the McLaurys more mad. A member of the Citizens' Safety Committee interrupted the men at the bar to say that if they needed, he could offer up 25 armed men. Oh, boy. Wanting to fight. He's got, they, they've got a militia yeah. that they've formed. And Virgil was, even Virgil was unsure of that. He's like, that seems really excessive. Yeah. Virgil hoped that these men would leave town soon anyway given that that was supposed to be their plan. They were supposed to like do a few errands in town and then get out of there. Yeah. He just hoped that this situation would just like resolve itself and no one would have to fight. Meanwhile, the McLaurys, the Clantons, and Billy Claiborne were posted up at the OK Corral. According to a witness, Ike Clanton, still drunk and still awake with a head wound, was popping off about the Earps, making threatening comments. So the witness, a rail worker named H.F. Sills, went and found Virgil at the bar and told him what was going on. Virgil and Johnny Behan decided it would be best for Behan to go down to the corral and talk to the guys. He was, after all, friendly with cowboys and ranchers. Virgil stayed behind at the saloon with Wyatt and Morgan. When Behan arrived at the corral, the guys weren't even there anymore. They had exited the corral through the back down an alley headed towards Fremont Street, which is where they ended up in an empty lot, like by Fremont. Okay. So they're not, they're like very, they're like adjacent to the OK Corral. They're very close to Mm -hmm. it, but they're in an empty lot, essentially. Frank McClory was talking to a butcher at his shop nearby when Johnny Behan spotted him. And Behan was like, dude, you guys got to give me your guns. You you can't have your guns walking around. You got to check those. Yeah. So give me your just give me your guns. Knowing that Frank might be embarrassed being seen handing over his gun to Behan in public, Behan said, "Look, we can do this down at the sheriff's office. No one has to see you handing your guns over to me in the street." Right. Um. And Frank was like, "Look, as long as." the Earps aren't taking my guns away and it's you doing it, fine. I just don't want, I don't want the Earps to have this one. Like, yeah. I, I'm not giving my gun to an Earp. Yeah. Around the same time, Virgil was getting antsy back at the saloon. More people had approached him asking what he was planning on doing. The pressure was on. And one person told him, you know, they're not, they're not even at the OK Corral anymore. They're on Fremont Street. So Virgil gathered up his brothers at the bar and said, we're going down to Fremont Street. Doc Holliday came along too, and Virgil gave him a shotgun. And just like in the movie, here comes the Earps and Holliday walking in a row with their black jackets on. (laughs) Exactly. It was that. Slow-mo. It was that moment. It was a very dramatic scene. Yeah. And like the whole town knows about this. They're, they're like, oh, everyone's like buzzing. There about to be a gunfight at the OK Corral. <laughs> <laughs> or it's an empty lot next to it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, technically, there's an annoying cowboy. <laughs> technically, they weren't at the OK Corral. They're at the lot next to the OK Corral. <laughs> so they're walking towards this empty lot where the Clantons and the McLaurys are. And by this time, the whole town knew something was about to go down. Someone was even heard saying, here they come. (laughs) I love that person. Uh, The Earps and Holiday came into contact with Johnny Behan first. And Behan was like, guys, 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 let's let's keep it cool here, okay? Like, I'm handling this. Yeah. I'm making a plan with, like, I'm taking their guns. Like, we don't don't need you guys here right now. 
Um, but the Earps were like, fuck you, Behan. We got a reputation to uphold. <laughs> Everyone thinks we're a bunch of pussies. <laughs> Later, the Earps would testify that Behan said he had already disarmed the men when they approached them. Oh. They're like, well, Behan said that he had disarmed the men. But when they got closer, the Earps and Holiday noticed guns on holsters and guns hanging off the saddles of their horses. Johnny ran ahead of the Earps to try and stop this. And he pushed Billy Claiborne out of the lot. I don't really understand why he did this. Maybe he's like, you're not involved in this. <laughs> this Run. is between them. Yeah. You're a straggler. You're not Seriously. in this. Well, didn't like one guy just randomly get killed? Episode one. Yeah. Like Fred acc- White. Yeah. He got like shot just accidentally. The uh, former sheriff. Right. Of the town. Um, so yeah. So Billy Claiborne and um, Johnny Behan are like, they they ran out of the lot. I guess it was an attempt at reducing casualties. Yeah. So it's four against one. I mean, sorry, sorry. four against four. It's right. four against four. You got to get out of here. It's got to be four <laughs> against four, Billy Claiborne. <laughs> five, four, five against four. Well, that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't fighting with them. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the Clanton and McLory brothers versus the Earps and Doc Holliday. Ugh. Virgil demanded that the ranchers put their hands in the air. Both Wyatt and Frank McLory had their hands on their guns, but a horse was blocking Billy Clanton's view of Frank, so it looked like only Wyatt was about to start shooting. Hmm. So he just sees Wyatt with his hand on his gun. He doesn't see that Frank also has his hand on his gun. Wait, so it's Wyatt, Virgil... Um, Doc Holiday and, and Morgan, Morgan Earp. Earp. Who's f- Frank's on the other side? Yes, got it. Okay. Frank McClory, his brother Tom McClory, and Billy and Ike Clanton. Got it. And Frank and Wyatt are like in a standoff. Both have their hands on their guns. Right. But there's a horse blocking Billy Clanton's view. <laughs> this horse that changed history. <laughs> this horse changed. <laughs> Why don't we have this horse's story? Where's the episode on the horse? <laughs> What's his life story? This is so offensive that like this horse is iconic. I just picture the horse with his little feed bag <laughs> chewing innocently, not even realizing. He doesn't know all this Shit's drama. about to go down. <laughs> um, so yeah, Billy Clanton thinks only Wyatt is about to start shooting. Wyatt did draw his gun before Frank. And proceeded to shoot Frank in the stomach. Ooh, ouch. Billy Clanton responded by shooting at Wyatt, but he missed. (gasps) It was on. Yeah. Frank McLaurie, reeling from a gunshot wound to the gut, managed to fire a shot into Virgil's calf. Virgil fell to the ground. Ike Clanton ran up to Wyatt screaming, Don't shoot me! Don't shoot me! I'm on (laughs) (laughs) This guy is the comedy of the episode. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, I stand because after all his huffing and puffing for four hours, the moment comes and, and he, he he's, a, he's a yellow-bellied coward. <laughs> don't shoot! Don't shoot! Come on! Come on! It's not fair! He's like, dude, you have been—you started this whole fucking thing, <laughs> you little bitch. It's been thirty hours, and he's grabbing onto Wyatt like, please, please, (laughs) take back everything it said. (laughs) Don't do it. Um, And Wyatt's trying to shake him off. Like, get off of me. (laughs) (laughs) Because a a shootout's happening right now. Um, Meanwhile, Billy Clanton was preparing to shoot at Wyatt again. But his brother Ike is now blocking him because Ike is like, please. (laughs) Begging for his life. And he's like, God damn it. (laughs) He's like, go away. Go away. That's when Morgan fired a shot into Billy, who was distracted by trying to get a shot. (laughs) I'm sorry. This is so stupid. It's so dumb. Billy continued to try and shoot at Wyatt, but he kept missing. Ike's still holding on to Wyatt and grabbing for his gun, and then the gun goes off. (gasps) Wyatt managed to get Ike off of him, but Ike ran away and then hid in an office building down the street. (laughs) This guy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Amidst the chaos, Morgan was shot straight through the shoulder. <gasps> Though it's unclear where the bullet came from. It could have come from Wyatt's gun when Billy right. Clanton grabbed it. Yeah. At this time, Frank McLaurie is just trying to run away while Virgil attempted to shoot him. And at this time, Doc Holliday was just trying to get a shot of Tom McLaurie, but a horse was in the way again. <laughs> I like the picture of the horse like moving out of the way, but then inadvertently blocking another thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I'm just eating my, ch- my chow. <laughs> oh, I'm in the, oh, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, it's just so embarrassing. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> I'm really glad that they, in, amidst all this like drama, they were at least and not trying to shoot the horse. Yeah, that that gave them pause. Yeah. Right? Like, they didn't want to shoot the horse. Right. So, um, yeah, this horse is in the way, and at this time, Wyatt himself thought, maybe I should just shoot the horse to get it out of the way. Oh, we just defended him. We just, <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, Wyatt. So... His bullet grazed the horse, and the horse moved out of the way, giving a clear shot for Doc Holliday. So Doc Holliday shot Tom McClory, killing him. <gasps> At this point, Billy Clanton was the last man standing in the lot. Frank had gotten away, Tom was dead, and Ike was hiding in that office building. Mm. Wyatt, Virgil, and Doc Holliday all fired at Billy, hitting him in the gut and in the wrist. Billy continued firing. He was like, I am going to die, but I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. That's what John Bon Jovi wrote. That, he wrote this song about him. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, Wait, was that song from this movie? No, it's not. No, no, but I think it was from Young Guns or something. Young Guns was one of Dead or Alive. Oh, okay. Damn. But I like to think that Blaze of Glory is about Billy Clanton. Totally. Um. He's, he, he ended up being too wounded and gave up. Frank McLaurie was on Fremont Street, wounded, and hiding behind a, a horse. I don't know if it's the same horse. Horses. <laughs> it's four horses. Like, like, get the fuck away from me. I don't yeah. want to be involved. I just want an apple and like an oatmeal Seriously. cookie. Um, Fucking carrot. Give me a carrot. <laughs> so he's hiding behind this horse, and... He tries to take a shot from behind the horse at Morgan. But when he shot the gun, the horse got scared <laughs> and ran off and exposed him. So, oh, so I just picture him with like his pants down. Yeah, like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Covering himself with yeah. a towel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the horse runs off, leaving Frank in full view. Frank, sh- Frank shot at Doc Holliday, hitting him in the hip. Though Holiday wanted to be the one to kill Frank McLaurie, it was Morgan Earp who delivered the fatal blow. Okay. So basically, after Frank McLaurie shoots Doc Holiday in the hip, Morgan shoots him in the fucking head. And he's done. And he's done. Only one of the four <laughs> ranchers survived the shootout that day. Ike Clanton. The one who fucking started it all. <laughs> He fucking is the one who survived. And he's shivering, pissing himself in a fucking storefront. And he's still awake. How is he still awake? It is after 3 p.m. at this point on a Wednesday, and he started drinking Tuesday morning. Oh, my God. This guy. How? How is he existing? He probably smells so bad right now. He probably smells really bad. Like he's like beef jerky. <laughs> he smells like beef jerky, fucking onions, onions. <laughs> whiskey. <laughs> yeah. He's like pissing pure whiskey. It's pure <laughs> But it's like a foamy piss. Ugh. It's just concentrated and foamy. And it's like he's mm. probably has pissed himself. <laughs> yeah, he probably smells <laughs> like piss. <laughs> Disgusting. This shootout was 30 gunshots 30 gunshots were fired within 30 seconds of gunfighting whoa it was fast yeah the coroner discovered that both billy clanton and frank mclory had firearms on them at the times of their deaths but tom mclory was unarmed this information enraged the cowboys saying that the erps had killed an unarmed man well how would they know in all of this 
you know I, what I mean? Like, I guess so, I'm not yeah. defending them, but no, it's pretty crazy. Um, it was a pretty crazy moment. It seems like a technicality. Yeah, <laughs> he was unarmed. <laughs> but this is definitely a gr- a great reason, like a very understandable reason for the cowboys and other ranchers to be like, yeah, those guys need to go down. But they would have thought that no matter what. Yes, that's right? true. So. The ERP said that Tom McClory did have a gun at some point during the shootout, and perhaps the gun was taken from him after he died from a cowboy friend trying to make it look like they shot an unarmed man. This Shouldn't a- everyone be mad at Ike, though? Because <laughs> he ran off. He did run off. Isn't that like the lowest of lows? He's like, well, they wouldn't sell me the gun at the gun shop. They'd sold me the gun. Maybe I'd stay. Right. I'm just saying he looks like a huge fucking wimp. When he started it. And he, he left his friends to get killed. Mm. Like, I don't know. He could have fucking... While he was with Wyatt, he could have gotten him somehow or taken him down. Right? Yeah. And to be clear, I don't think Ike started like the whole thing. I just think he like set the ball in motion for that day. Yes. But also all because he was worried... Doc Holiday would tell. <laughs> I'm just saying this is so stupid. It's so dumb. Um, and also the Earps and Holiday are just as stupid for different reasons. Oh, totally. So Tom McGlory was discovered to have $3,000 in cash and checks on him. Like I said, their rancher business was profitable. Yeah. Johnny Behan wanted to arrest Wyatt Earp following the gunfight, but Wyatt had a supporter in businessman Sylvester Comstock who stepped in and was like, well, well, wait a minute. Everyone in town wanted those cowboys dead. They did. These boys did a good thing. Wyatt left to be with his two injured brothers. Doc Holliday recovered from the minor wound to his hip at the boarding house. Ike Clanton was located on Toughnut Street. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. He was located on Toughnut Street and taken into protective custody by Johnny Behan. Oh. Because he's like, uh, there's some townspeople that want to fuck you up. Yeah. Johnny spoke with Virgil that night at his home while he was recovering from his calf wound and said that he would hold off any arrests and let a judge decide if this needed to like go to trial or whatever. Virgil was like, look, the town is happy with the outcome. There's going to be no need for arresting us. And also we warned those guys to leave town and they didn't leave town. His point was proven the next day when the epitaph lauded the Earps for their efforts in taking down the cowboys. And by the way, cowboys and ranchers are really used interchangeable in this world. Right. Because... Well, the ranch, I mean, the ranchers essentially, they're, these guys team up with cowboys. Right. They facilitate, like, they help with the rustling of the cows. And to the, as, as far as like these tombstone people who hate cowboys and ranchers are concerned, they're all, they're one and the same. Yes. Um, just going forward, if you hear me refer to the Clantons as cowboys, even the cowboy friendly newspaper, The Nugget, sided with the Earps. Blaming Frank McLaurie for drawing his gun first. But the town of Tombstone wasn't all on the side of the Earps, as the funerals for the three men had a procession of 300 people, with 2,000 onlookers watching the service from the street near the graveyard. Well, maybe nothing else was going on. (laughs) See? (laughs) (laughs) The coroner's inquest was held two days after the shootout on Friday the 28th of October to determine if the Earps and Holiday should be charged with a crime. Johnny Behan testified, and he was brutally honest about what he witnessed that day, telling the court that just before the shootout commenced, one of the Earps hollered to the men in the lot, You sons of bitches! You have been looking for a fight, and now you can get it! Behan also testified to Billy Clanton begging not to be shot. He's like, I don't want, I don't, please don't shoot me. Behan said that Tom McClory also showed them he was unarmed. He testified that he believed Doc Holliday was the first to shoot, which was that based on evidence of like a nickel-plated bullet that came from the handgun Holliday had with him that day. Wow. I don't know how they determined that. Right, like how would you know which came first? Yeah. 
the cowboy friend, Billy Claiborne, who was with the Clantons and the McLaurys in the lot just before the shootout, corroborated Behan's testimony and then added that he, Frank, Billy, and Ike had their hands in the air and Tom had his hand opening his coat to show them he was unarmed. Okay. Like before the shootout occurred. Ike Clanton, the sole survivor of the cowboy side, testified that he had been harassed by Holiday and the Earps since Tuesday night. He, he, he stated that him and, the, him and his boys were getting ready to leave town when the Earps approached, called them sons of bitches, and then started shooting. A witness named Martha King, who was next door at the butcher shop before the shooting, testified that she heard either Holiday or one of the Earps say, let them have it. And then one of their other guys replied, all right. <laughs> a particularly damning testimony came from a laundry man who said that he heard Virgil tell Behan at Hafford's saloon, those men have made their threats. I will not arrest them, but kill them on sight. By Saturday, a decision had not been reached by the coroner. And so Ike Clanton filed a first degree murder complaint. Warrants for Wyatt, Virgil, Morgan, and Holiday were issued by Justice of the Peace, Wells Spicer. Virgil Earp was then suspended as Tombstone City Marshal, but he did remain as U.S. Deputy Marshal. Only Wyatt and Holiday were taken into custody. They didn't take Virgil and Morgan because they were too fucked up from the shootout. They were still right. injured. Wyatt and Holiday were held on $10,000 bail. Wyatt was released soon after because the funds for his bail were raised really quickly given how many stands he had right? with these like law and order wealthy guys. Holiday did not have as many stands, mm. so Wyatt had to like help him get out. Here's some of my stands money. It's true because <laughs> he raised like $20,000 oh from people. The Earps and Holiday hoped to convince Wells Spicer of their innocence at the upcoming hearing and therefore not have the case move forward. Because if they were found like guilty at this hearing, then it would move to like a trial. Right. So it's like a preliminary. Yeah, it's like a preliminary hearing. So they just want to like quash this like before it goes anywhere. Before it goes anywhere. Serious. The hearing began on Halloween. After a few days of testimony, it wasn't looking great for the Earps and Holiday. On November 4th, the eldest of the McClory brothers, Will, arrived in town, and he insisted on serving as co-counsel for the prosecution. What? This guy was a lawyer back in Texas. But this still seems a little illegal. (laughs) He rode into town. He's like, I want to defend my brother's honor and fuck these guys up. Okay. So he's serving as co-counsel for the prosecution and obviously he was furious that his two younger brothers had been killed by the Earps and Holiday. He demanded that Wyatt and Holiday be remanded to jail and Justice Justice Spicer allowed it and so Wyatt and Holiday went to jail. He's like your bail's revoked. So they're in that little fake jail. With yeah, <laughs> with the guy the jailer passed out on moonshine nearby. <laughs> I mean Shouldn't they know how to break out of this jail by now? Seriously. They've seen enough jailbreaks at this rinky-dink jail. Yeah, I'm sure they're not worried. So, (laughs) (laughs) but Will McClory made a bad decision when he decided that Ike Clanton should testify at this hearing. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. He testified over the course of several days, first testifying for the prosecution, on cross, the defense questioned Ike about his 24-hour bender <laughs> that occurred before the shootout. Like the Earps lawyer was like, "Well, tell us about tell us about your day." Yeah. <laughs> tell us about your day before this happened. And all just based on what you said, people were seeing him all throughout the day. So yes. there's tons of people who witnessed it. It was messy. The defense then questioned him about the deal he had made with Wyatt regarding the reward money for the capture of the three fugitives who had killed the two men in the botched stagecoach robbery. Right. Now, this was something Ike had been panicking over being made public. Obviously, Ike Clanton had spent like the last, or had spent like the 30 hours before the shootout chasing Wyatt around town like don't tell anyone or like you're not going to tell anyone about this deal right I mean he 
he's the one who made this happen. He could have left town long ago before this gunfight happened. He should have left town, but the Earps and Holiday are definitely, they have plenty of blame. Right. Like they could have also just all left town temporarily just to make things kind of calm down. And Wyatt was really an agitator in a lot yes. of this. Like he, he agitated after, like after it was going on for a while, he wanted to knock him down. Yes. Um, but it is funny that after all this time, it now comes out in court that, <laughs> that Ike Clanton and Wyatt had previously made a deal to catch these fugitives and like Wyatt would give him the reward money. Yeah. So now it's like coming out. Um, so Ike then told the court that Wyatt wanted the Cowboys dead because he was involved in the stagecoach robbery and had given some of the money from the stagecoach robbery to Doc Holliday and Billy Leonard, one of the fugitives. Now, this was obviously untrue, given that all of the money that was being transported on the stagecoach made it to its destination. It was, right. it it was, was a, a failed robbery. It was a failed robbery that resulted in a double homicide. The defense asked Ike, well, why didn't you tell anyone about this plot? And Ike replied, because Wyatt made me promise... During the prosecution's redirect, Ike continued going on about this conspiracy, adding on even more ludicrous claims, like that Virgil was a part of it and that he was the one who helped the fugitives escape to New Mexico. (gasps) Ike then claimed that Wyatt wanted to kill anyone involved in the stagecoach robbery and that he would kill him for knowing too much. And that's why they did the shootout. It was all part of a cover-up for the stagecoach robbery. Ike's ridiculous testimony seriously hurt the prosecution's case. What followed next were long and convincing testimonies from Virgil and Wyatt, as well as some testimonies for the defense that really helped their case. And ultimately, Justice Wells ruled in favor of the defense, and the Earps and Doc Holliday were exonerated. Whoa. Spicer's verdict didn't seem to have much effect on public opinion. Like, public opinion about the Earps and the Cowboys was still really split. Right. Um, And for the Cowboys, though, they were really pissed off that these lawmen and their buddy Doc Holliday had gotten off scot-free. Rumors began to circulate that the Cowboys were making threats against the Earps. Holliday and their defense attorney, Justice... Okay, so the Cowboys are making threats against the following people, allegedly. The Earps, Doc Holliday, their defense attorney... Justice Spicer, Marshall Williams from Wells Fargo, and Mayor John Klum. Whoa. They want to get all these guys. At least that's what the townspeople are saying. Despite the talk of threats and the disdain from the ranchers and cowboy sympathizers, the Earps and Doc Holliday would stay in Tombstone. It might have been smart for them to just leave. Yeah. A lot of people did not want them there anymore. And by this time, Wyatt... It's like they weren't like Wyatt wasn't didn't win sheriff. Like he didn't unseat Johnny Behan. Right. Why not go somewhere else? Yeah. He didn't like like accomplish what he set out to do in Tombstone in the first place. Virgil has been suspended. Go to Deadwood. Is that a real town? I don't know. <laughs> um the Earps decided they would all move into the Cosmopolitan Hotel together to better protect each other like well let's just stick together while the heat's on yeah we're moving into the hotel and things were going okay but not for long Mm. and that is where we will leave you this week so was that the gunfight at the okay corral yes or the place next to the okay corral (laughs) yeah so that's the famous battle that's the famous shootout yeah one of the most famous shootouts or maybe the most famous shootout in the Old West. I mean, I can't think of another one and now, that I know by name. And now if you want to be annoying at a party, you can say, actually, it wasn't, technically it wasn't at the OK Corral. It was next to the OK Corral. Yeah. I mean, but you got to go with the better name. You can't go the the gunfight at the empty lot. <laughs> Fremont Street. <laughs> yeah. Not the one in Las Vegas. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it doesn't have... <laughs> Fremont Street of Arizona. Yeah, Fremont Street of Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Great callback, great callback. Anyway, join us next week for the conclusion of Tombstone. Yeah. 
What happens? What's going to happen? Who's going to live? Who's going to die? Who's going to shit their pants? Ooh. My guess is Ike. (laughs) (laughs) I don't trust Ike. He's a little shitster. Do we have a picture of him? Yeah. I posted it. Oh, you did? Two weeks ago. Oh, he's on that one. Okay. Yeah. I have to re-look. Now that I know he's like this guy. No, you're going to look at him and laugh because he's like leaning over drunk in this picture. Oh, my God. Even though it's like a fancy portrait, he looks drunk. Yeah, you know it's you got a drinking problem. If even for your portrait, yeah. you, you're fucking wasted and your sepia-toned portrait. Yeah. No, I, I sadly, I relate to Ike on a deep level. Yeah. That's what... You know how people get those old Western photos taken? Mm. <laughs> the family photos. People should do more drunken ones. People should do it more realistically. Yeah. Or like, yeah, they should be sloppier because everyone wants to look cute or tough. But I think it no. would be funny if you did one where you're like, like really drunk. Sitting on like a pot. Sitting on a pot. Uh, shit pot. <laughs> <laughs> a face full of beans. Yeah. <laughs> Just look ugly. Yeah. Anyway. We'll be back next week, and we will be back in a few days for the mini episode. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.